welcome to the space where creators have aligned a positive and intellectual collab of open minds. For sharing and learning from one another, it's a vibe. We give us a podcast on the mic. Subscribe, educators, spitting bars. I guess you didn't know I'm multifaceted and humble, taking off life goals. The classroom is my comfort zone where I plant and sow. Seeds of knowledge, compassion, empathy, and hope. Reading is the key to unlocking your potential. Countless benefits, including cognitive and mental. Regardless of the genre, books are highly influential. Go get yours, I'll get mine. Make you strive. Monumental. Come rock with me and get down to this new jam. I had a very simple plan Educate the masses Through books and life lessons It's the Grand Slam I'm out Salah Falava And welcome to the Reads with Rossa podcast I'm really excited to introduce today's guest He's an avid reader And a pretty good chef According to his bestie Emma He's a fellow educator And was the Fort Worth Independent Schools District Elementary School Teacher of the Year in 2021 And fam he is one of the hosts of the Tea with Crema podcast. Joining us from Texas, welcome to the show, Christopher Smith Wright. Woohoo! So glad to be here. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. So I'm super, super excited. Me too. How are you, Chris? What is up in your part of the world? Well, it is very hot every day. And so I'm just doing my best to stay cool. So if that's swimming, then I'm swimming. If it's just staying inside most of the time, that's most likely what I'm doing. Just trying to stay cool in the super, super hot summer. Boy, swimming in a pool or at the beach? What kind of, what, what are you, beach, pool? Ideally, it would be a beach, but I mm. don't live in the part of Texas that is anywhere near a beach. And so 95% of the time I'm swimming in a pool. There are a lot of Ooh. like lakes in Texas, but most of them are man-made and I just don't trust man-made lakes. So <laughs> I'm just like, you know, what? if I'm going to go fake, I might as well just go all the way like fully chemical <laughs> fake pool as opposed to like a weird whatever a lake is supposed to be that's not supposed to be there so yeah um like so everyone this is chris uh, as i mentioned he's the the other host of the tea with crema podcast uh aka emma's bestie emmanita that you all know emma first episode of the reads of russell podcast and that's how i met this wonderful wonderful person that we know as chris sitting right here in front of me actually through the screen but I am really excited, fam, because, man, Emma gave me all these tips, all these, you know, little things to ask him. Uh, he wears many hats, and I cannot wait to pick his brain. I can't wait to chop it up with you, Chris, and just, yeah, talk about podcast things, content creating, uh, educator life, uh, your new role at your school. I'm buzzing. I'm super excited. But before, before we get into that, uh, I'd like to give the guests an opportunity just to, you know, give a brief uh, intro, probably do a better one than what I <laughs> what I did. So go ahead. Highly, highly unlikely. But <laughs> yes, I am working in education here in Texas. That's how I met Emma uh, that has been on the podcast. And so we've been best friends pretty much since we started teaching. And before that, I had recently just graduated from a school in Texas. I was born and raised in Texas, so full Texan through and through. It's been really, really wonderful. And I just decided that education was 
the way that I like wanted to impact change in the world. And so I'm still, as far as I'm concerned, still very early on in my career in terms of education and what that experience will be. My, my plans have certainly changed and become more flexible as I've learned more about the educational landscape. But I know ideally, like my goal is to pursue educational leadership at some point. And so that's just kind of always like the lens that I am working on and focused on is just figuring out how to really empower others to be a part of and take charge of the change that they're wanting to see in their own communities. It's about five or six years now in teaching. I just finished six years in education. Years. I taught for four of those years, and then I've um, had this new role for two going on three years. Yeah. Have you had a lot of opportunities to uh, upskill? I mean, teaching, you know, being in education, it's a busy life. You know, it is a busy career, like lots of things going on through the day. So do you get time to upskill? And as you mentioned, you know, admin type roles, that is really a, a, a goal that you're working towards. So. I have. I actually finished my master's degree in the first two years of teaching. It was Ooh. quite a journey, but I was still just in the school mindset, had just finished a bachelor's degree. And mm. so when the opportunity presented itself, I was like, you know what? I will never be more ready to be in school than having just finished school. And so I just went ahead and finished that. And then the great part about that is being in a school community that's really that's really allowed me to direct that learning for myself. And so I've just been really grateful to be at a place where I'm able to develop that leadership frequently and mm. I'm able to work with others in that capacity. And so, yeah, I've been doing, I've been doing the work kind of like the pre-work if you will. Mm. And I'm just really grateful because I know that that's not always an opportunity that people get locally sometimes they have to go and find those opportunities in other places and i've just been lucky that the community that i've worked with this whole time has really essentially just embraced me and my interests mm. so teach america is the program that's the program that you are uh, part of i mean in terms of getting your start in teaching can you tell us a little bit about the program for those uh, you know in other parts of the world who have no idea what we're talking about absolutely so in Texas, because it's even different in different parts of the states, um, you have to have a teaching certification in order to be a teacher. And the most traditional route is to do that in university. So you go to school to be a teacher, you take all the classes, you pass all the tests, you do all that fun stuff. I did not realize that I wanted to be in education until I was going into maybe my junior year of college by which point it was too late to switch mm. a whole degree plan. I just, I couldn't do that. And so I had to look through what are called alternative certification programs. And so these are programs where you're taking those education classes after you've graduated, you're taking mm. your tests after you've graduated. And so I chose Teach for America for a number of reasons. I'd heard about it working with educational nonprofits back in Austin where I'm from and I think a lot of the the missions and visions that they have kind of align to my purposes in being in education, especially at that time. And so that was the program that I went with because they helped me relocate. So I'm no longer in Austin where I was from. They helped with that relocation process. Mm -hmm. They helped making 
with making sure that I was taking all the right tests at the right times. They were helping with the enrollment into the classes. And then they provided additional learning outside of those state minimums to make sure that we were discussing things like equity and race and inclusion and diversity and how that shows up in our classes. And even though it's a two-year program, you're still connected to that bigger community, essentially. Mm -hmm. And so that was kind of all of those things really played a part as to why I chose that particular program, because there are certainly other alternative programs. But again, a lot of the, the resources and experiences from that program specifically really spoke to me. And so that's what I chose that one for. Mm -hmm. Did you uh, at any point want to teach in, say, another part of the U.S.? Or were you adamant that, you know, this is a way that I can give back to the region, you know, where I'm from, give back to a community that I, you know, am close to? It was a really multifaceted thought process at the time. I think a big part of it was that was going to be me moving away from home for the first time in that, you know, a lot of people get to do that outside of the college experience. So they get to move somewhere for college. Hmm. I went to university in the same city that I was born and raised in. So leaving home was just a 20 minute drive downtown. So this was gonna be my first big move away from my family. And I didn't want it to be too far because, you know, having that support system and all of the other things that go into that. And then I think a, probably even one of the bigger factors are pay to cost of living. And uh. education is just one of those things that in a lot of places, the cost of living and the the salary that you make as an educator just are not super close to each other. Mm -hmm. But Texas is actually one of those places where, and all, not necessarily every part of Texas, but a lot of places in Texas, you're able to work as an educator and still do adult things and not necessarily have to like compromise on certain experiences. And so I, I just knew a lot of teachers that were still doing things like having roommates and uh, or living at home. And again, not knocking those experiences, but mm -hmm. for me, like I had had those experiences and I wanted to, I really just wanted to like be on my own to afford life things, um, mm -hmm. to still be able to travel and do things independently. And so I would say proximity to family and then the finances were the two biggest factors in that hmm. uh in terms of learning you know doing the you know adulting 101 type stuff like but you know like as you said you you were still close to family but learning how to live on your own and and do the adulting 101 stuff how how were you handling that like or were you still going home to like you know go into the pantry and you know grab everything <laughs> bring it back to your apartment I would say I did pretty well. I did go back home that first year a lot more than any other year since I've been here. Mm -hmm. I was probably going, making that three hour drive probably once a month at least. Wow. Um, in part because, you know, just being here, not knowing anyone. And so just wanting to have that like comfort and experience back at home. I will also say that Pretty soon after moving here, I also became a vegetarian completely. 
switched up my lifestyle in that regard as soon as I moved here. And, you know, just slowly but surely accumulated all of the adult things, furniture, all the stuff that you kind of like take for granted when you're at home, because it's already, Mm. it's there, it's there for you. And so realizing how expensive things are and then realizing, well, if I'm going to pay this money for it, I want it to be pretty much as close to exactly what I want it to be. So I know Mm. it took me almost a year to find a dining table not because I couldn't afford a dining table, but because I was like, if I'm going to be spending all this money on a dining table, I these are my specifications. <laughs> it has to be like this. And if I can't find this exact thing, then I'm not going to waste my money on it because I'm not going to be unhappy with it. And so, yeah, it took me a good, a good while to like make all of those big purchases. But I think I did pretty well in the grand scheme of like balancing all of the things that you're supposed to do, paying all of your bills, getting mm-hmm. the things that you need. And so I definitely feel like I did okay. I took care of the essentials. Been doing all right ever since. <laughs> no, I, I love how you shared about the table because, like, I always say, like, you know, you work and then you go home. You're going home to your sanctuary. That's the way you need to think about this kind of stuff, right? You've had a hard day at work. You cannot be going home to a table that you do not like. And you're just like, why on earth? What was I thinking? I mean, you got to create a space that is just, you want to go home to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so exactly. I totally get what you're talking about, eh? I'm like, oh, that, yeah, that makes so much sense. <laughs> oh, um, okay, so let's, um, you're an avid reader. When did that love of reading begin for you? I would say I'm an avid reader in the year 2023. <laughs> oh, you know, <laughs> okay, okay. Let's there have been tell some... the story, tell the story there... then. There have been some on and off years. I would say when I was very little, I I did enjoy reading a lot. I was definitely that kid that had to be kind of like forced to go outside and do other things because I would spend a weekend, if allowed, just like reading books. Did not bother me at all. I really enjoyed that. And then that really was all of elementary, primary school. And then things kind of shifted when I got to middle secondary school. Because then you start getting assigned readings Mm. and I don't always do well with assigned readings. Um, With the biggest part being like, sometimes they're just not good books. They weren't fun sometimes. I didn't enjoy them sometimes. And then I think another thing that I really struggled with was reading a book, writing my interpretation of said book, and then having someone, namely a teacher, then Mm -hmm. say, my interpretation was not correct. Right. I really, really struggled with how, like, how can you tell me that I read this book, same words that you read in the same book, and, like, I just came away with a different message, with a different idea, and you're telling me that because of that, it's wrong. Like it's because it doesn't match what you're looking for. It's wrong. So I really started like a love hate relationship with reading at that point and have just been going back and forth ever since. And then in college there was a signed reading, but then I kind of rediscovered reading for me and myself a little bit more again. And so there's a little bit of time where I was reading a lot better. And then, yeah, those first years teaching, it just, it's so much and I just Mm. didn't have a lot of time for a lot of things. 
And so reading, working out, a number of things just kind of got cut out from the sauce of everything. And then, yeah, I just, I've been setting goals for myself around reading. I did not great in 2022, but that's because I will pick a book and even if I don't like it, I will make myself finish it. But sometimes no. it just takes a painful long time. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> you stop that right now. Get I'm just not I'm not that. good at quitting. So I just like keep reading it and I'm just like, okay, well, I finished it. It was terrible. I would not recommend it, but I finished it. And so yeah, 2022, I just got caught up in a few books that just like really like they were so slow and they just took they really like messed up my momentum. But in 2023, I've been very intentional about what I'm reading, making sure that like I've done the research on books, not just like picking up random books, because sometimes Mm -hmm. that works, but sometimes that doesn't. Mm -hmm. And just like really making sure that the things that I'm reading, I at least have like a base interest in. I can't just Mm -hmm. be out here reading books that don't make no sense. (laughs) (laughs) Are you a bookshelf? You got, you've collected some books. You've got a bookshelf going on there, no? Oh, okay. Oh, 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 you gave me a fight. Oh, <laughs> oh yes. there's there's plenty. There's like it's like five shelves, and I think oh you my build up the top one and you're not supposed to. But yes, yeah, so I I have okay. the books, and I've been getting a lot better at because there was also that time where I was just like, oh, that book looks nice, and like I just buy books, and so now I'm like, okay, wait, let's get caught up on some of these books. Like I have a lot of these things. I gotta stop. I love going to Barnes and Noble. I love going to half price books. I love going to the bookstore, but. Maybe like read the books on your shelf first. Let's, <laughs> let's start there. So I'm like, okay, let's get through a few more of these ones that look a little interesting. And then I think I'm actually going to, one of the things I want to do this summer is like a full apartment purge, but mm-hmm. that will include books that like I read and didn't like or books that I maybe got for school and then haven't mm-hmm. read and won't ever read. And why do I have them? They're just taking up shelf space. And so that's definitely one of the cleanses that I want to do. It's just like books that just are no longer serving that purpose. Send us a photo when you've done that purge and show us what's left. I'm, I was laughing because the same thing. Like I've got books and I'm just like, oh, it's just such a beautiful co- I haven't read it. I'm like, make time to read it or get rid of it. Like, yeah. My uh, Kindle bookshelf is, I've read more of that. While we're mm-hmm. on this, though, so audiobooks, uh, ebooks, actual books, your actual book kind of person, or? I, I do the actual books. I don't have an e reader. I'm not necessarily convinced that I would enjoy the e reading experience. Okay. Um, I have read like one or two books on my phone ever, and it's just, I don't know, screen reading isn't necessarily my favorite thing. But mm-hmm. also, I could definitely see the, the value of an e reader while you're at the beach and don't have to worry so much about like getting the book wet, especially yes. if you have one of those nice, like literal, like beach e readers that are. If they get wet, it's fine. They just keep rolling. And so I've like, I see some value in it. Don't get me wrong. I just, I don't know. I don't want to, I don't know. And then e-bookstores are really confusing and I don't, I can't figure all that stuff out. I will say like, I don't, controversial opinion, the tea with Crema, like me and Emma, we be getting into it about audiobooks Cause I'm just like, I don't know if I consider audiobooks like reading. Oi. It, yeah. It's definitely like a read aloud, but like, yeah. 
I don't know if that really, because like Emma would just be like, yes, I just be like audio booking, like while I'm on the thing. I'm like, but does that really count though? But like, count it if it counts for you. You went through the yeah. material technically, but like, I don't know. I guess it's one of those unnecessarily like snotty kind of things that I just, I'm like, whatever about. Yeah, if it's a book, um, there have been a few books that I've read. Uh, I love the book so much, so I got the audio. And then I've read the book again, listened to the audio. Uh, but because I commute, audio's handy. Uh, I like to clean. If I'm not listening to music, then I'm listening. To, if it's the audio book is really good. Usually memoirs. Like I don't just read any audio book. I mean, mm. it's got to be like, if it's not the author reading it, <clears throat> I, I, I think I've read one or two that haven't been the author. And it's been all right, but I still... I'm like adamant, like it's got to be a memoir or something like that, and the author reading it because it just makes it it makes a huge difference in terms of how you connect with with that. Mm-hmm. I love audiobooks, but you know that it wasn't until maybe um, just before the pandemic, maybe 2019ish, late 2018, that I actually listened to my first audiobook, and that was the Trevor Noah one. I had read the book. I had read the ebook. I loved it so much. I first of all I read the ebook. Then I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna get the real book." Then I was like, "Oh, nah, I need to listen to the audio." And I tell you, that just blew my mind when you hear those jokes. When he's talking about his grandma, when you hear it, <laughs> like his voice and telling that because I love his stand-up comedy and stuff. Like it was, I mean, all and the, all the experiences are not always like that. It's just that you know I'm a huge fan, and I think that made it all the more like cool to listen to and exciting another one was michelle obama i listened to uh, her book and it was just like oh my god i was right there <laughs> i was right there with the obamas <laughs> I was that's like, so oh, crazy because like as you're saying i was like man if those were going to be books like as you're saying like books that are more of an experience i was like man i bet michelle obama read her book really well oh my god becoming and now that you mentioned it, i was like yeah, i definitely remember like <sighs> Born a Crime by Trevor Noah was one of the things, one of the books that like helped me get out of a slump. Mm. And so now that you're saying, I'm like, I really bet that he delivered his own jokes. Oh my God. So well. And you know, Viola Davis, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, she's an amazing actress. And then I read her book and I was like, oh, now I need to now listen to it. I feel I have, I think I cried. (laughs) Actually, I cried when I listened to Michelle Obama's book too. Like, I'm just telling you, like, Viola, I mean, that is why she is it's just man i was like i felt like i was just there in the room listening to her read it was amazing so i say all that to say yeah some audiobook experiences like i've listened i'm like this is a really strange accent what the hell's going on here because i read the book and i'm like i did not imagine that to be the accent or whatever i mean i hate talking about accents but yeah so it's not always a great experience but um yeah (laughs) There's some ones that are worth it, it sounds like. Yeah, totally. Um, you know, I want to talk about uh, family. You've mentioned family, super important to you. Uh, what, you know, in terms of ethnicity, like your ethnic background, um, yeah, what are the different parts of your identity? Different? Well, I am multiracial, and so I have a white mom and a black dad, and... Mm some half siblings and then mm. two full siblings and a niece and a nephew and all those fun, mm. all the little fun things that go into a family. And so, yeah, I would say that's, you know, the racial part of it. And also mm. just the, the experience of having multiracial parents and just 
all of the fun what moments that come out of growing up that way and like other people making things more obvious to you than you even considered in your own life. And then around high school, it I decided to add that other label and realized that like, oh, I'm also gay. And mm-hmm. so having that fun experience from, I mean, like I kind of was having all the questions before high school, but like I officially like sticked my claim in it and was like, okay, it's official. I've done the, the research and the thoughts and the everything. Mm. And so really coming out and then overall having a positive experience with my family around that for the most part. And so, yeah, I would say those are all the, the, the fun the fun parts. There's always mm. like the not as fun parts that come with it in terms of like family dynamics as you're growing mm. up, money troubles, parent issues, all that, all the other fun stuff. Um, but yeah, I would say those are kind of probably the the more grounding identities for me in terms of like really dictating my experiences in the world. Mm. Who has been the biggest influence uh, on your life at to date it would I mean it would probably have to be my mom I would say she's been by far the most consistent person um so I've been lucky enough to to have her around um in a positive light and supporting me for the entirety of my life um but I would also say that I've had a lot of influential teachers as well Mm. so for the most part I know I've, no, I wouldn't say I know, I've come to realize that the education system is very hit or miss for people in the States. Some people will go through and have a really, really great experience and really great teachers. And some people go through and have really, really terrible teachers and they don't have those same types of empowering experiences. And so I feel really lucky that I had, for the most part, really empowering teachers almost completely from the time I started in kindergarten up until 12th grade. Not universally, they weren't all winners. Some of them were duds, but you know, it, I yeah, sometimes I think it was me. Sometimes I was the dud in the class. It'd be like that sometimes. But um, overall, I would say I had an over, overwhelmingly empowering experience in education. And so really having mm-hmm. that positive support from my mom and then also having a lot of support at school has really, really helped me in a lot of ways. Mm. Uh, something that Emma mentioned, um, she talks about um, your friendships, you know, she's Japanese and Tongan, you being like black and white, like those are some of the things that you would bond and talk about is this idea of being othered. Now that you're in education, seeing students who may be going through experiences that you had as a younger Chris, you know, like, how do you navigate those conversations? I would say the only conversations that I really have professionally Mm. in terms of my identity would be the ones around race. Um, Mm. And I think in part, that's just because of the way there's a lack of protections in Texas around Uh. like any other identity specifically Mm. for me. being a gay person, I don't really talk about it professionally just mm-hmm. because it 
every so often, you know, the news likes to remind you that it's not necessarily professionally safe mm -hmm. to have those conversations in schools and people, you know, lose their jobs every now and then. It, it almost happens with like, not overwhelming frequency, but like it comes into the news every now and then to kind of like, the best way I could describe it is just like reminding all of those professionals mm. in schools that like, hey, don't forget you still, this is still Texas and like you can still lose your job over this type of conversation that you're having. And wow. so I definitely, I don't talk about being gay at school. I, mm. I just don't do it. I couldn't even tell you like what that would even look like. I think for the most part, like I would probably just avoid it. There have been people that have just like, that have lost their jobs because they had pictures of their same sex spouse on mm. their desk in the same way that like, I've seen straight couples have their families' pictures on their desk. And so I just don't talk about it at work because I don't wanna get mm. fired. Like that's the cut and dry, not cute version of it. I just don't, mm. but I do work hard to, I work hard to show up for my students in terms of just making sure that they're receiving the best education that they can at their school um, with their set of circumstances. Mm. And I think that's kind of where I feel like my biggest value add is at a school where a lot of the students are Black students. They are Latino students. And so it's that type like the the type of work that I'm doing is a little bit different than if I was at a like mostly white school and there were fewer of those students there like that work would look a little bit different whereas mm. at a school where pretty much all of the students are black and Latino it's at this point for me it's just making sure that all of those students are getting the best that they can getting all of the resources getting the things that they need and mm. so that's what that's kind of looked like for me at this point um and like, even as I'm talking about it, I can like think of a few times where like, I just probably didn't show up, not probably, I did not show up very well for like gay presenting students because mm. I I think it was one of those like, this would be a really great time to have like an ally who mm. doesn't have that same level of skin in the game to really stand up and have that type of conversation or that empowering moment with that student. But like, as the gay teacher, it's not gonna be me because, mm. you know, if I have this conversation, if I empower this student, and then they're like, oh, but you're the gay teacher, boom, fired. So like, I can think of a few times where like, I have definitely not done right by mm -hmm. queer students because I was afraid, essentially, just like. Mm. Do you have support outside of the, uh, you know, are you part of community spaces outside of outside of pro your professional life where you're, you know, you're part of a, a community that's supportive and you can turn to to kind of vent about that professional stuff and just be yourself and, you know. I think I have built friendships that allow me to kind of do that but I wouldn't say necessarily like a full community. And even mm. one thing that I started to realize even now is that like, I can't really say that like, I have any like gay friends. Mm. So I think also just kind of like the nature of like living where I live and that just being part of the circumstances that I'm facing, that's definitely mm. something that I was like, wait, I gotta, I, should, I need to work on that. Like I remember being in a gay fraternity in college 
and mm -hmm. having that specific system of support in place and understanding that like okay great like it doesn't necessarily just have to be like we're in this because we're gay but like I've realized that there are certain conversations that it's harder to have with individuals who are not in the community because mm -hmm. it's you know it's just like not a thought process that they always have naturally it just doesn't mm. it's not always at the forefront of their thoughts because mm. when you're heteronormative like there are certain things that you just don't even like you don't have to think about because it's it's not really a thought like it's not different it just is um mm. and so yeah that was i gotta i'm working on that actually it's one of those things that i realized actually really recently and i was like oh okay that explains some things so i gotta work on that now have you not wanted to uh go abroad like have you have you ever um you know have do not been tempted to uh live overseas uh work overseas maybe uh, overseas experience for a year or two and then come back go back home or i looked at it a little bit right before i think em and i were both looking at it at around mm. the same time and i don't know i think that was also one of those things that like she didn't have to consider that i did mm. so like as a woman she definitely had to consider like locationally that was definitely like a factor for her and mm. so that was one of the things that we did we talked about in that time it's just like yes i then also have to consider like what it would be like showing up as a black person and a mm. gay person in some of these communities like is this something that like i'm gonna have to like repress even more so than i do now because at least now i can say like socially i'm able to be who i am for the most mm. part, like when I'm not at work, that's not so much an issue. However, mm. one of the factors of like teaching abroad, moving abroad would be having to consider what the laws are around being gay in mm. those spaces. Um, and so that was definitely like one of the factors that I had to look into. And after a while, part of it is just like the laws fluctuate so mm. often internationally, they fluctuate here in the United States, even in terms of LGBT protections. And mm. so part of it was just not necessarily feeling confident to make a decision to where I would live in a place where I would feel comfortable being myself for that mm. duration of time. Off the top of your head, one country that you would want to live one day, where would it would be, be Brazil. I don't even have to think oh, about God. it. I already know. Like, I just, You're like, I'm there. <laughs> I'm there. Went there for the first time this year. Have been wanting to go for a oh. really long time. And so it was It was just one of those moments where I was really happy that the, the hype that I set in my head did not mm. fall flat of the experience. And so went to Brazil, had an amazing time. And so, yeah, if anyone was like, cool you can move anywhere in the in the world we'll pay for the move we'll help you find a job and be like brazil let's go i'm sure nah. you can find jobs in brazil surely, i'm sure <laughs> surely surely a school if that was a case or let's say you want to stay in education would love to have you man seriously that'd be so dope is that anyone would be listening spot. from Easy. brazil <laughs> Easy, no hesitation. <laughs> it would be Brazil for sure. Oh, what was it like? Uh, yeah, uh, what uh, three highlights? Brazil. Yeah, uh, I've I never been. I, I spent a few days in Rio, 
And then I spent about a day in Sao Paulo. And I would say the highlights for me, I went in Northern Hemisphere spring. So it was fall in the Mm. Southern Hemisphere. Um, But for the most part, I don't know. It just like was amazing. It was pretty. Mm. It was beautiful. The beaches were incredible. I went to several beaches and they were incredible. Um, The people, generally speaking, were like really friendly for the like I didn't really have any like overwhelmingly negative experiences with any mm. Brazilians and I don't know it just was one of those like I couldn't I can't always speak to anything specific so much as mm. like sometimes you just like feel it yeah it's like this is a... what well, do you speak you Portuguese I minored in Portuguese in college oh. actually so at a point what? in my life I was What are you almost... doing in the US man? Go live in Brazil. <laughs> 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 I had done all the work. I really oh. had. I had done all of the work, but I would not call myself conversational in Portuguese anymore. I've just been mm. I've been switching to Spanish just because oh. professionally speaking, you know, I just interact with people who speak Spanish way more often every day actually. Mm. And so it's been a lot easier to learn Spanish. Um, I was able to learn Portuguese because, you know, you're in a class with other Mm. people who are learning Portuguese and you see them regularly, um, but realized like after college that like no one speaks Portuguese in Texas. (laughs) So like, (laughs) I spent all this time like learning a language and was like, oh man. (laughs) You're in the wrong country. That's why. (laughs) (laughs) But I know, I think Emma's done our like astrocartography. I don't know exactly what lines she she knows the lines a lot better. And she was like, a lot of my lines were like in Brazil, Rio area specifically. So like, see, did you travel on your own or were you just out there exploring on your own? Yeah, I went by myself. It was really nice. Um, I did the paragliding. I did a city tour. Oh my gosh, that's so cool. To several beaches. Yeah, it was. It was great. Okay, I think they're calling you. Those lions are calling you back to Brazil, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) They definitely are. (laughs) So you were District Teacher of the Year 2021. What a great highlight. What a great story to share years from now. But man, what was that like? Was it a process you had to go through? The school nominated you? Like, how how did that work? So like, logistically speaking, I was one of the nominees for the campus mm. and then the campus votes and they select their one representative essentially wow. that representative you know gets sent off to the district and the district honors all of the teachers of the year but then they're like okay well we'll open up the application to anyone who wants to apply to be district teacher of the year and there's one person on my campus in particular um his name is david and he was just like you have to apply you have to apply you have to apply um, at the time I was doing, I was wearing two hats. And so mm-hmm. I was really working like a job and a half at the, at the school at the time, there were some vacancies that I was helping to fill essentially. I was just like, man, you want me to apply for this? And like, I am here at work until six, seven o'clock. This is very, very difficult. And he was just like, it's fine. Like, we're going to make it work. Send mm-hmm. me your drafts. Like, let's go. Like, we're going to apply. And so I completed the application found out that I was one of the top five finalists. Wow. And then from there I had to do like a interview. I can't, it wasn't an in-person interview. You know, this was like peak COVID. And so it was That's definitely funny. like, mm-hmm. it was a Zoom interview, which was really funny. Um, I say that was really, I made sure that was really funny. That was, that was really <laughs> great. We, had a, we had a really great time. Um, 
so I did have that interview. There was like a promotional shoot where like I went to go like answer all of these like questions in front of these fancy lights and everything. They came into the classroom and like were recording me teaching and like they were talking to kids and pulling them out and like asking them questions and all this fun stuff. And so, you know, you apply, you do all that stuff, you interview, and then they're just like, okay, like you'll find out later. And what usually happens I've learned is that there's a dinner and all of the nominees go to the dinner and you find out who won at the dinner. Mm. The year that I was doing all this fun stuff, it was, you know, peak COVID, we didn't have no dinner. So they called us in at a Zoom <laughs> at like six, one afternoon. And they were like, okay, everyone, are you ready? We're gonna find out today. And like the <laughs> gave like a little speech and he was like, it's so great. And then he's just like, okay, the elementary school teacher of the year is, and he calls my name and I'm like, Oh, okay. And then, you know, you give like a little cute little elevator pitch. Like, thanks everyone. Did, you, like did the- you click an emoji? I hope you responded with an emoji or they didn't have that Zoom update at the time. <laughs> it was one of, I was like trying to find the like the unmute key. So I'm, like, I'm sure that they were like timing it. And I only had a certain amount of time to like do any of the speed. Meanwhile, again, like there wasn't like, oh, you can like share this Zoom to other people so they can watch too. Right. So for the most part, it's really just like the 10 nominees <laughs> the superintendent and some other like district people and it's just like 25 of us just like on a zoom and they're just like okay and the winner is and overall like the zoom call took like 15 minutes and then they're like okay <laughs> thanks guys like <laughs> and i hope you went out and celebrated after i hope you did it was great we did we did what we could i think emma and i definitely probably went out and did something nice but yeah yeah it was I went to the dinner the next year because they invited us. They were like, since you guys didn't have a dinner, you can like come to next year's dinner. Went to next year's dinner and I was like, I missed all of this. Like <laughs> there was food. We were at the zoo. We got to feed the giraffes. Like we got to do all this stuff. And I'm just like, I got a 15 minute Zoom call, y'all. Like, so, it was great it was a wonderful experience wouldn't take it back it was really nice mm. and it was just it was also really serendipitous because this was also when I still had like really stringent I expectations and ideas about like my career and mm. like what I was gonna do and so one of the things that I told myself was I wasn't gonna move out of teaching until I became at least campus teacher of the year mm. and so then you know that COVID hit and like it just like poof it burned you out real quick. And so I was like, actually, I got to, there's another position calling my name. I got to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wasn't eligible originally. So when I was first teaching, you had to be teaching for five years to be eligible to be teacher of the year. I didn't meet that qualification. I only been teaching. That was my fourth year. Mm-hmm. And then I guess, you know, with COVID, all of the fun stuff, they changed the qualification that year. And they were like, oh, actually, like, you can, you're eligible to be the teacher of the year if you've been teaching for three or more years. And I was like, mm-hmm. well, I've been teaching for three or more years. And so I got nominated, went through that whole process. And then I was like, okay. So like, you know, the universe was still looking out for me and was like still supporting my goal of having that that experience before I did leave the classroom officially. Mm-hmm. Cause that was definitely something when I started, I was like, I'm going to be teacher of the year before I leave the classroom and then was ready to give up on that. And then it still happened anyway. That is so dope. And I, can I just say that regardless what Chris is saying about, oh, it was a Zoom thing. Yeah. Google his name. I mean, that digital footprint is there for life. Google his name and you're going to see an article written about Fort Worth District Teacher, Elementary School Teacher of the Year 2021, Christopher Smith-Wright. Just saying, 
I am just saying it is there for life, fam. Check it out. You know what? I'm gonna put it in the bio link. So click on that link of the video and go read it. It's it is it's pretty cool. Like it's yeah, man. It the coolest is thing is getting amazing. like I I'd, I'd never like seen the big like super sized checks before. And so Ooh. like one of the things that they do is like they just kind of show up one day and they, you know, they give you like flowers and pictures and all this other stuff, but like they give you like the super sized check. Did you get a lot like, of money? I got five thousand dollars. Like, yeah. yeah. I think that's also technically in the article. I still have the like the big check. Like it's a whole I was like, I've never gotten one of these like supersized checks before. Yeah. So I still have the like big check. The big check. It's oh man, that. there we go. Stuff the zoom. The big check. That's what's up. That was gross <laughs> great. I'm sure in one of those articles you can see like one of my favorite <laughs> pictures is like one of my kids that was there was like. He, like the picture is like him trying to like pretend that he's stuffing it in his locker, like he's gonna <laughs> take it home. And it was just like, honestly, it was it was really it was super exciting. Like that part was really really cool. So that was probably like my favorite part was when they like delivered the giant check and like all of the kids were like, "You got how much money? Oh my lot. gosh!" And so I mean, yeah, it definitely was a lot. Like I finished paying off my student loans mm. and my car with that money. So like definitely helped expedite my financial plan like I, no regrets it was wonderful for sure man your students must have been gutted they must have been sad when you left the classroom because then you know let's talk about this uh you know your new role as a data analyst in the school can you tell us a little bit about that decision to I mean you've alluded to you know you goals man you've got goals that you're trying to reach here I'm not mad at that so making that decision to move into uh, this new role like uh, yeah Process. it it was just one of those like serendipitous all of the cards fell mm. into the place and so part of it was so my last year teaching when i was doing those two roles that mm. was the other part the other role that i was doing so i was mm. teaching full time during the day and then in the afternoon after school because you know elementary school starts like right when the sun's up so there is no mm. before school time and so after school I was staying and doing a lot of like that job which mm. um it's not really it's not a common job in a lot of schools but so what that role entails for me is it's really like two or three prongs so the first is really looking at how we're executing all of our exams because in order to have like quality data to analyze, you have to make sure that you're giving quality assessment. And so just making sure that like we're giving the assessments the right way, we're collecting the data, all the students are taking the assessments, we're doing all of that part. And then it's, okay, how am I meeting with various stakeholders at any given time to make sure that, you know, we're aware of how we're progressing towards our campus goals at any given moment. And so those would be like my two big ones. And then I also am over our bilingual programs for mm -hmm. our campus as like in a kind of like an additional job. And so in that last year teaching, I was doing a lot of the, the testing part, at least not so much the data part. Um, there just wasn't enough time in the day for me to do the full, full, full job. And so I was doing the, the testing part. And so it was just one of those things of like, I did really well. They did send a like district sub person to kind of help out too. And she was like, 
are you going to do this full time next year? Because like, you're doing a really great job. Like I'm, mm-hmm. you know, I'm giving you like to-do lists while I'm done, while I'm gone, you know, cause I, she was not a full-time employee either. She's just like an additional person that they were sending to help. And she, and she was just like, you're like getting through all of the things and then additional thing, all the fun, cute little things that were driving me crazy. But so then I was just like, yeah, actually, I'm going to go ahead and apply. Like the window had formally passed, but I was like, no, I'm going to go ahead and apply. Like this is a special mm-hmm. circumstance. I've been doing this job. So um, it was really great. And everyone was like super supportive about it. And so, yeah, I've been, I made that transition into that role where now I get to like full time, mm-hmm. just worry about testing and data and our bilingual program. And so... Mm-hmm. What's your morning routine like, though? Do you have a typical morning routine? I imagine you do, like uh, uh, <laughs> before, before heading off to school to work. Yeah, I mean, I get up early enough every day to make sure that I have time to have a sit-down breakfast, I think would probably be, like, the biggest thing. Um, so I did try to have one of those, like, super extra routines that people were like and then I did yoga and then I did and then I did all that I was like man do you know elementary school start at like 7 30 in the morning for me to have time to do all of that I'd be up at like four I I'm just not gonna do that and so I really had to sit down I was like okay but like what do I really find valuable out of a morning routine and like what do I need to make sure it gets done before going to school and so push came push came to shove and I was just like breakfast is my mm. thing so as long as I have breakfast before the day begins we're good to go and so mm. I've just gotten really good at just making sure that like I'm up in enough time to make sure that I have breakfast and sometimes that is literally cooking eggs and sausage or like vegetarian sausage not real mm-hmm. sausage sometimes that's just eating overnight oats or Greek yogurt whatever it is but like I'm gonna sit down at my table before I leave for the day the table that I specially found <laughs> did not I was gonna say not a table that I hate. No, no, this, I love this table. I found this table. And so now I sit down at this table every day for breakfast at least. And yeah, that was, that's my biggest thing. And then like, I, I think I'm going to work on doing things in the car because I have like a 25 minute or so commute to work every day. You know, it's driving. So it does limit some of the things that I can do. Because um, I was like, man, I just be like reading books and doing all that. I'm like, you're on a train. Like, you're not driving <laughs> anything. Like, you can do whatever you want. Hey, she's usually rushing to get to school, but that's a whole nother, that's another podcast episode. We won't go into that. I have a lot of evidence. We're not going to go into that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. But we've, I'm not editing that out, Emma. <laughs> it's there now. But yeah, we've talked about, like, having an active versus a passive commute where it's just like, man, I kind of do wish that I had a more passive commute where it's just like, I just get on a thing and then the thing takes me to work but like driving you really gotta focus on like you can't be yeah like applying your sunscreen and putting on your lip balm like people be out mm-hmm. people women be doing the most be doing yeah. the, <laughs> the sky uh-uh. and i'm like i'm like no no i need to focus <laughs> on my driving and so yeah there's even been moments where like i've like tried this in a podcast while driving and then like things will be happening on the road too much and then i'm like i've missed like three to five minutes of this podcast because there was a lot going on on traffic so like I'm trying to get better at figuring out like how to maximize the commute but then I'm also like but would that actually bring me joy or would I get to work a little stressed because I like exactly so I'm like yeah at at present I eat breakfast before I go to work and that's about it (laughs) that's cool I, I I think you're right on that one because like for me like 
I will, I used to be like, I'm gonna check emails. I'm gonna do my to-do list on the train. Like I would do that. I'm transiting, like switching track. By the time I get to school, I'm, I'm just like, I'm already mad. Like <laughs> I'm already like, oh, why did I, you know, I've read an email that someone sent overnight. I'm mad. I'm like, why did, you know, and so I just now I'm like, no, I'm listening to music. I'm just going to get from home to school, eat my breakfast. Then we start the day. Like it just, it kills your buzz, kills your day. So yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Like, is it really going to make a difference if you do that to do? Mm, nah. It's not. Enjoy your breakfast <laughs> on your really nice table. <laughs> and then the drive. Um, so Emma mentioned about the listen about the, the table. She mentioned you're a really good chef. Like she said, you're a pretty good cook. So uh what what's uh you know, you mentioned earlier your vegetarian lifestyle. What is a favorite dish that you like to make that you would recommend to others? You know, nothing. You know, none of your master chef stuff. Come on now, just <laughs> you know, what's a go-to that I would make? say? Oh man, I I'm more of like a pasta person, oh. so I know for me, nice. like variations of pasta are really really big, and so I really enjoy making a basil pesto. Oh, I was I've just really gonna like... say, do you make your own pesto? Oh, mm -hmm. I've learned how to make my own pesto, and I was like, actually, mm. I really enjoy making a pesto. But I will, I do also, you know, when I'm feeling a little, um, a little bit more on the rich flavor side, I definitely also make my own fettuccine alfredo because <gasps> that's just like a that one Stop just it. makes you so happy. It just it really fills your soul a little bit, you know. It's a real like okay. thick kind of pasta sauce, real, real <laughs> thick, real rich. And so, yeah, those are those are my two like go to. So, like having the basil, the basil pesto, um, usually with the little bow tie pastas for falling, mm. I think they're called. And then you you just put some of the like cherry tomatoes, you cut them in half, and you roast them in the oven for like 20, 30 minutes, and then just mix all that together. Really good pasta. Oh, better living, everyone. Better living. <laughs> you know, other things, uh, gardening and other hobbies are what, yeah, like I've heard that you loved, you love plants and things like that. Do you have your own garden? Are you, yeah. So I had for a while, I was doing indoor and outdoor gardening, mm -hmm. uh, but outdoor gardening on apartment patios is not fun. I don't really, I don't enjoy it. The, the maintenance that those plants need. They need like a watering hose and like space and like mm. the ground. And so I just like really struggled with like carrying a giant watering pail <laughs> from the kitchen to the patio and like spilling water all over the place. And then like the water's like dripping off the patio and the neighbor's like, what are you doing? It's, just, like, <laughs> it's a whole situation. <laughs> it was a whole situation. And so like I was really trying one one year. It was like two two summers ago. I had like, I was doing really well. I had like six or seven pat, um, tomato plants going. Whoa. I had Brussels sprouts going. Everything was going really well. And then I just went somewhere for the weekend, came back, and these tomato worms had eaten all of the tomatoes. <laughs> had just eaten them. Like they were, there were no leaves left. I was like, I was gone for a weekend. I do not understand. First of all, and then I looked them up. Like these are literally like, moths that go out of their way to find tomato plants 
And I'm like looking around. I'm like, where? Where Where are any other tomato? Where did you come from? I don't understand how you found my tomato and decided to like make an all-you-can-eat buffet out of them. And so after that, I was just like, you know, I'm done with the outdoor planting. The Brussels sprouts were like, all of these aphids came out of nowhere. I was just like, I this is too much work for a patio and then carrying this water bucket and making them like it was just too much and so now I've just like refocused all of my efforts to indoor planting and indoor plants and so I've done much much better in that regard well over 30 plants at this point like there's too many plants and I've started cutting them into pieces so that I can give them (laughs) to people because there's there's one plant that's like there's several vines that are like my height. Oh my. And they're just. That is they're just, scary. They're so long. And I'm like, oh no, we got to cut some of this down. Like, <laughs> you got to wake up one morning and you're like. <laughs> all over the place. <laughs> it's, just, <laughs> it's wild. And so like, I love it, but it's wild. And so some of my, um, I, cause I have a lot of plants at work too. And so some of them I leave over the summer because they'll be okay. Like they're water, they're drought resistant. They'll be fine for like a month. But then there are some other ones that I had to bring home. And so mm. right now, like my, the entranceway to my patio just looks, it's like literally like navigating a jungle. You're like pulling plants out of the way to get to the door. It's just like, this is so much. I'm just like, oh you know, it's fine. God. These don't live here full time. They're going to go back to my job and they're going to have a nice place that's at my job. That's not at my house. Oh my so goodness. yeah, I am, I'm in the process of like, cutting literally cutting down some of those plants <laughs> so I can give them away to people because it um, they've gotten so large now <laughs> oh you're crack up um just so funny <laughs> let's talk about the team of crema this is another important part of why I brought you on the show Chris is the other host of the the team of crema uh, a podcast that he runs with his bestie Emma um yeah podcasting when I came on your show I I left your show and I was just like Yo, Chris was so professional. It was amazing. I was like, oh my gosh, Emma, this guy is. I was very impressed with the whole setup and how you guys ran your show. Very cool. How is the podcasting um, journey going for the Tea with Karma? We have made it to a place, I think, where like we're kind of like at a place of peace. Um, we realized pretty quickly, I realized pretty quickly that working with your best friend is very similar to like living with your best friend (laughs) in that you like maybe should think really hard before you do it. (laughs) And I say that as someone who like in college lived with my best friends and then talked to none of them now. So (laughs) like I realized very quickly, I was like, oh, okay. If this is not going to be the podcast that like ends our friendship. Like we're going to have to work through some things because I think we were under the impression that we had similar work styles because we did a master's degree together. We were working really closely together. We knew like how the other person was teaching. Mind you, we did not teach together. We just Mm. talked about teaching a lot. And so I realized when we were working together that we have different work styles and so we very quickly had to figure out and recalibrate. Like we've had to ca- recalibrate several times actually of just like, okay, what's working? Like, how do we fix this? Because there were several times where I was like, if one more like podcast thing happens, <laughs> like I'm going to have to pause our friendship because 
<laughs> I need a moment to like recollect myself. And she said so... that you always get the, the podcast back on track. That's what she said. She said, Chris is the one that always gets us back on track where she's like trying to derail it and stuff. <laughs> so now I'm listening to you and I'm like, ah, that makes sense. Yeah. Continue. A, yeah. We just have like, we have really different work styles and like, I'm just of that. I have a very like completionist mindset. And so I'm just trying to get stuff done. Mm. And I like, and that not in like a terrible way. Like I find joy and it brings me fulfillment to get mm. stuff done. So I'm very like goal oriented, set a goal, do the goal, we're done, I've met the goal. And so, you know, we have timelines and boundaries and all that stuff mm -hmm. with the podcast that we've, you know, really solidified now, mm -hmm. but it was all a learning process. It was all something that we had to go through together and realize where our strengths were and how do we really capitalize on those strengths without like losing mm -hmm. the fun part of the podcast because ultimately, one of the things that we did talk about in the very first thing was we're taking, we're creating this podcast as an extension of our self-care journey. Hmm. I know it's kind of jokey, but like we were very serious when we said that like therapy is expensive. And so that's why we have the podcast. And so the podcast can't be like an additional source of stress because then hmm. you've kind of like defeated the purpose of right. the therapeutic experience. And so like it, it, but you have to be very intentional about all of those things. Like anything that you do, it does require some intentionality. Otherwise, like it just kind of falls mm. apart. And then it, you don't really have that same, you don't really accomplish those same goals. And so um, we've been doing it. We are currently like on our first official break mm. to start a new season. We've had some unofficial breaks before, but this is the first like, thought out intentional like oh That's like let's, let's take a break and just enjoy the fact that like we're both off from work in the summer and just mm. we just be out here living and doing fun stuff and not like again not that the podcast is stressful but it's also mm. nice to not have a deadline and so like we're taking this break because we don't want to have a deadline for mm. the time that we're off and so we're very excited to to do that and I think right now it's just really figuring out I think we're all, like always asking people like, what does a fully realized whatever yes. their project is looks like? Right. And I've realized that like one of the things that like we'll be doing pretty soon is like also figuring out, okay, like what is a fully realized tea with crema? Crema. Mm -hmm. And because I think right now we're like getting to a point, like I know for me, like I'm getting to a crossroads of like, where do I want the focus to be? Mm. Do I want to, do I want the focus to be on really growing the audience and focusing in on the analytics and getting more listeners and downloads and things of that nature? Or is it something else that I'm still really wanting to focus on? Because again, when we started the podcast, those were not the main things that we were focusing on, mm. um, which is fine. Like, and again, it's just really figuring out like, do we want to try to focus on those things just to like see where it takes us? And is that the next step for the tea with crema and, and really figuring those things out. And so I think right now I'm still going back and forth between like what a fully realized tea with crema is. Cause there's part of me that's like a tea, the tea with crema fully realized is something for other people 
Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, building the listeners and the downloads. And it's it's something that we're doing for an audience. Like we're doing this mm-hmm. for other people. But then there's the other side of me that's like, nah, it's for me. And mm-hmm. it's for Emma. And we just, we do what works for us. We do what is going to help us have a great time. Still have like the therapeutic experience, have the conversations that we want to have. And like the rest will fall into place as it falls into place. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, I don't know. We're still trying to find a way to like monetize a little bit because I'm mm-hmm. sure you know podcasting is expensive. It's an expensive mm-hmm. hobby. It's still not as expensive as therapy. Like we'll we <laughs> we break down the costs of the two, and like podcasting is still less expensive than therapy. But mm-hmm. you know, something to consider is like, man, if we do it for other people, though, maybe they can pay for our therapy via this podcast. <laughs> but like. <laughs> You know, we have to be really on our stuff in mm. order to make that be a reality. And so it's just, that's what we're we're grappling with right now. Just like, what do we want that to be? And that's okay. I, I'm looking forward to seeing that next step on the journey and how you continue to evolve, you know, as, you know, uh, as a team, as besties, uh, as hosts of this podcast. Our fam, if you're listening, uh, if you're watching, click the links in the bio. You can connect with the Tear of Crema. You can connect with Chris. You can connect with Emma, the hosts of the Tear of Crema. Uh, check out their podcast. It's available on um, the podcast platforms. You can also uh, check out their YouTube YouTube channel uh, where they also post their audio on there. Just, you know, follow, subscribe. If you don't have time to do that, you might have time just to share an episode on your stories. I talk about this all the time, Chris. I talk about how, um, you know, I'm always harping on and on about like, um, you know, how we can support others. If it's not to uh, subscribe and follow, share something on your story. If it's not to buy the book, share that information on your story. It goes a long way, fam. I tell you, so you won't regret it. Click on the links in the bio to connect with the hosts of the Tea with Crema and this awesome podcast, fam. You won't regret it. There is something for everyone. They're always dropping uh, posts about uh, book recommendations as well, uh, some of the reviews that they've done on books that they've read. If you're an avid reader, if you're out there really just trying to find something to something new that you haven't tried before, check it out, fam. Click the links in the bio. The tea with crema. Yes, that's what's up. <laughs> I want to talk just quickly about um, boundaries, you know, in the workplace. Uh, boundaries in terms of uh, work is work and then friendships outside of work. You know, where do you draw the line? When, uh, in your experiences in terms of like friendships, like, how do you know that, oh, this is a person that we could definitely get along outside, you know, or is it like barriers up, work is work, my personal life is my personal life. What, what's what's your experience been thus far uh, being an educator, being an education? I think I have come to realize that um, we, we talk about a lot of just like the theory of like, oh, making friends as adults is hard. And I think it's because like we kind of like always have this romanticized idea of what making friends was like in school, essentially. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, Em and I were talking about it recently. I was like, yeah, but like realistically, you were only friends with those people in school because you saw them every day. You weren't, it wasn't necessarily that you had anything like overwhelmingly in common with these people as opposed to anyone else in the world. 
but the biggest commonality was geographic availability. And I think that's very similar as an adult at the workplace. These are people that you see and you interact with every day. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I think in the grand scheme, like there's not, I don't really have an issue making friends with people that I work with. Like I don't, that's fine with me. Mm -hmm. Um, I do think that is important, you know, because sometimes, you know, friendship things happen. And it's always like important to remember that like, Yes, if we did get into a fight because you decided that, you know, you wanted to have one too many at the social this past weekend and now we're all looking at you funny on Monday. Like, we're not going to look at you funny on Monday because that was on Saturday. But if we don't invite you to the next one, like, don't be looking at us funny because, you know, work is work and social is social. And, like, I don't mind. I feel like I'm pretty good at, like, navigating those delineations. Um it has happened where like people are not so great at that. And part of it is just a learning experience. Like sometimes mm. you're just like, oh, awkward. I thought you were going to be like a cool person. And like, you're not actually a cool person <laughs> <laughs> for whatever reason. And so like figuring out like, how do we still work together? But like, you're low key, not like a cool person that I like hang out with. I thought that I did, but I don't. Um, but it happens. But like, I, I'd imagine like, I'm sure we all have those same experiences at school. Like we went up and like talked to someone and then we were like, Actually, you are not as cool as I thought that you were. Like, <laughs> we're not actually going to get along. And so we're not like, cool like that anymore. Sorry. <laughs> we're not. And it's okay. And I think the biggest thing is just like really just normalizing that that conversation and like having those conversations. Mm. People are really good at like ghosting. I'm really <laughs> ghosting. Like just like, just like not inviting you anymore. Just like not talking to you anymore. I'm just like, I really got to work on like communicating like, no it's okay like no you're not invited to this social and like ultimately like I don't have to tell you anything other than like no you're not mm-hmm. and don't show up like that's yeah that's the end of it if you really want to know more we can talk more about it but I do also think I want to work on like I said I want to build like a community that is beyond mm-hmm. the people that I work with the people that work in education like I love that but you know sometimes it's just like a an echo chamber we're all kind of yeah. complaining about the same things Um, And I feel really strongly about just like minimizing the amount of time that I spend focusing on work outside of work. That's Mm -hmm. why um, the Tea with Crema, we don't really talk about work because Mm -hmm. I, I personally just don't want to. And I've like, was very strong in those uh, opinions and feelings. And so I don't actually know if Emma's like, I want to talk more about work (laughs) because, you know, I've set, I've set that boundary of just like, I don't want to talk about work on the podcast. And so Mm -hmm being able to like have that conversation with her of just like, there are just times and spaces that I just don't want to talk that much about work. Mm-hmm. When I'm with my family, we don't talk that much. We talk a little bit about work because we talk about everything. But mm-hmm. like, I am really intentional about like limiting the focus of work outside of work. Cause I just, mm-hmm. I don't know. Also like some people just get really negative around work for whatever reason. They like don't like their job or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, and people just start complaining and I'm just like, I can't, I can't deal with the complaints. I I get into that negative headspace really fast. And it's just like, Mm. I have found that educators in general, we have so much stuff to complain about. Mm. It's very easy for any event to be very quickly like hijacked and turn into like a one-up competition of like who has it the worst. Or we could talk about that brunch spot you tried out last weekend and why their French toast is the most like basic <laughs> French toast with no flavor. Like, that's what I want to talk about. Tell me more about your brunch experiences. Like, I don't really care about your classroom experiences. Because at this point, you probably got people that you're talking to about your classroom experiences that aren't me. Like, mm. 
you really need to talk to me about it, then like we can figure that out. But like not right now. <laughs> if you're tuning in, if you're watching or listening, better living, better choices. That that's what it's about. <laughs> you know, in your new role, um, in your current role, in terms of health and well-being, are you taking better care of yourself, or are you still spending long hours at work? I think. I'm taking better care of myself, but I'm not 100% sure if it's related to the new role. Okay. I think I think that is probably like no small contributing factor, but mm. I also think that as I've gotten older and more experienced in this field, I've just mm. learned how to do that, how to take that time, how to cool. say no or not right now, or mm. I'll manage it in a different way. And so I think for me, it's just become a matter of just always knowing myself really well and getting to know myself in those in those ways. Because self-care wasn't really something that I, in those first few years of teaching, like I wasn't really thinking that much about. I knew that I did a few things, mm-hmm. but I wasn't like super, super intentional about self-care. Um, and then I think... There were, there was a year or so where I just wasn't doing super well with self-care in general. Um, again, we we talked about it on the podcast a little bit. We did a self-care check-in and realized mm. that like, whew, you know, when you don't sit down and think about these things, it's very easy to just like let it go for other, other reasons, other things that just come up and, and seem easier in the short term, but aren't necessarily easier long term. And so I would say like one of those examples would be for me personally, I don't like working out. I just don't. I just, Mm. people have tried for years to be like, but endorphins and Mm. don't you just feel so happy and like all this other stuff. I'm like, no, I don't like working Mm. out. I enjoy the benefits of working out. So like I enjoy like the energy that you get from like, I work out regularly. So like when I need to exert myself, I don't get like immediately exhausted. Mm. I enjoy like doing yoga so that my body does not ache when anything happens. Like I can stretch and like move and like my hips don't hurt all the time and my knees ain't cracking all over the place. Like I can move and do all of those things. But like for me, like the actual act of working out is not fun. Mm. Um, And so for a while, she's like, well, it's not bringing me joy. So I stopped doing it. And then like... (laughs) And that's okay. And that's okay. And it was until then I started realizing that like I was being, I was more easily winded, like doing certain activities. And then then you start again. My like body started hurting because I wasn't stretching as much. And so then it's like, okay. So like, sometimes I think it's just like perspective of just like, oh, so like I did, I think sometimes you just lose perspective of like why you're doing certain things in the first place. And you're like, I'm doing yoga. So that way in six months from now, I can like, bend over pick up something that <laughs> fell on the floor and get back up and not like dramatic not, like, hear all of the noises as i'm getting like crack 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 Ooh, uh, you know, there's people i see like at work i'm just like that pen like did you need me to get the pen because like that was a really long production of picking up the pen have you considered yoga like i just that sense of like long term stuff that I'm like okay that's why I do it so like my self-care journey has been 
evolving, it changes. Um, sometimes you realize that like some parts of your self-care are a little bit more important in a particular mm-hmm. moment. So for example, like sometimes financial self-care outweighs like wanting to get your nails done every month. Like it just, mm-hmm. all of those things have to like make sense and play a part. And I used to think that they were all separate. You could put them in their own little compartments and it would all be great. Mm-hmm. But you know, just learning that life doesn't compartmentalize very well a lot of the times. And so sometimes like financial success looks like a little bit of sacrifice on a certain area of self-care, but you can get that back by doing something else. And so figure out how to make all of the pieces fit together, I think is just something that I've gotten better at overall, not necessarily as it relates to the role. It's just something that I've taken the time to get Mm. to learn about. Do you have any book recommendations or a book recommendation? I do. I actually brought two book recommendations, a fiction and a non-fiction book recommendation. And so my fiction book recommendation is The House in the Cerulean Sea. And it came recommended. A lot of people were talking to me about it. I think Emma had talked to me about it. Some coworkers had talked to me about it. I had seen it on the Goodreads, like, year end list and I was like oh I'm kind of interested and everyone was like it was really good and I read it tore through it and was just like that was such a cute wholesome story that (laughs) I just really enjoyed it like definitely it was one of those like that really exemplifies like I love when gay characters are just gay but they're Mm. it's not like it's not a gay story that makes sense it was just like it was just wholesome and enjoyable and I really loved like that queer experience in a more natural, authentic way. So that book mm. is my fiction recommendation. My nonfiction recommendation, I've been recommending to people left and right to read this book. Like I okay. have read it. I tore through it super easy. And it is the book on boundaries by Melissa Urban, who's one of the founders of Whole30. I don't know that much about Whole30, but like after reading this book, I'm like, actually, maybe I should look into Whole30 just to like learn more about it. But I have just really enjoyed like the framework that that book provides in helping to set those boundaries and have those conversations with people in various facets of your life, including yourself. And Mm. I've been like, people have been telling me about things that they're going through. And I'm like, you know what? You know what you might recommend? You, you what you might benefit from? Check out this book that I just read and see if I'm gonna like... look it up. I'm <laughs> look it up as soon as we finish. I'm looking it up. I'm looking up those two books. Mm-hmm. So I've been rec- like when I tell you I've been like recommending this book left and right. I actually bought an extra copy to give to my family because I'm like, there's some conversations that you guys need to have. <laughs> I think this book can help you to have. And like my coworkers have been like, there's some conversations that you all need to have that I think this book can help you to have. And then my best friend called me today and I was just like, I'm going to send you the audible link so that, cause you, he does audio books. And so I was like, here's the okay. audible link. Check it out. Like I, oh, I might look up the audio book then. Okay. So that's there. I don't know if she's the one reading it, but mm. I don't, that might be helpful. She's really cool. I think there's just, both of those books, just a lot of fun. I've definitely been recommending them to people. So like they're my 2023 high recommendations right now. Excellent. If a book was written about you, what would it be called? <laughs> Could you imagine the book is just the tea with Chris? Like it's just, <laughs> <laughs> that's it right now. Um, okay. okay. <laughs> I'm not really... I'm not super sure. I guess like right now it would probably be an extension of 
like the blog that I used to have all yes. those years ago. Um, because for the most part, like a lot of the experiences that I've had have been around me being in the classroom. Mm. And even like when you consider before I started professionally teaching, I spent all of those years in school, mm. elementary, secondary, college, just lots of time learning, being in classrooms. And so if we wrote a book right now about my zero to 30 year old self, it, that mm. would probably be like the most appropriate title, like Chris in the classroom, because that's where nice. I spent the majority of my life between zero and 30. I'm not at 30 yet, but like, I don't anticipate big, big, big changes happening between now mm. and then. So like, that would probably be the best name of the book. I like that. So fam, again, click the link in the bio I've, I've put in there. Uh, as Chris has mentioned, it's a blog that he wrote, you know, in those early years of teaching. It's pretty good stuff, fam. You will not be disappointed. Uh, you don't have to be a teacher to be reading this. I mean, human life experiences, it's pretty good read. So uh, click on that link. If you're looking for something different to read, check out Chris's blog. Um, I really want to thank you for coming on the show. Like, I think before we came on, I was like, yeah, we'll, we'll be an hour. Yeah just under an hour and now I'm looking at the time and it's nearly been an hour and a half but I'm not even mad because I've had so much fun sorry Emma you missed all the fun we laughed really hard <laughs> um no I really appreciate your time I want to wish you all the best looking forward to seeing where your professional journey uh takes you do I think that you are potentially in a few years a year or two going to be in some form of admin role absolutely much much alofa much love coming out your ways and um, I'll just give you an opportunity uh Chris just to wrap up the show with a final gem final word of encouragement mm. I just really appreciate the the time and the experience and so I truly appreciative and again, you know, check out the, the podcast. It's not about teaching. I don't like talking about teaching outside of teaching, but I enjoyed that experience today. Um, and I would say that's the big thing. And just really, I'm super excited to, I love hearing all of the things that you're exploring and learning about you know, on the podcast as well, on your podcast, this podcast. And so I appreciate the, the opportunity, the experience to be a part of this story, to be a part of being able to share and contribute in that regard. So it makes me feel really special. So thank you so much. And I'm super, super excited.